We're going to continue on in our series in Isaiah, uh, looking at the, the assurance this morning. Uh, we moved out of chapter 40, where we spent the last four Sundays, and we're now into chapter 41. And the focus of this morning will be on a couple, uh, a, a famous verse that lots of people will know, will have heard. Uh, and so we're going to just share some thoughts from that uh, this morning, just to give you the context of where we are. A tiny group of people, basically a remnant, um, would number no more than about 15,000, were simply going to cross the desert, uh, simply to come back home to Jerusalem. Uh, God's people had spent time in slavery, exile, captivity, and they're coming home. And, um, and so what had happened is God is, is now moving into this time of hope and comfort towards these people. Uh, and so often as these things happen, as the people began to move, uh, there was lots of people thought that they were just doomed, to be honest with you. The long journey ahead of them, um, that they'd been 70 years in exile and captivity. And uh, this had caused obviously quite a lot of deep discouragement. Uh, people that assumed that the covenant with God had um, that he simply just given up on his people. That they just simply turned around and and he had forgotten about them and he had abandoned them. Uh, and so the verses that we're going to look at today simply confirm that the God hadn't forgotten about them, and he really speaks some assurance into their lives by, before they, they take this journey whilst on this journey. Really just that assurance that the God has a plan and he's working it out in his power. And, and so the verses that we read give them all the reasons not to be afraid, and it's Isaiah 41, verse 8 to 13, simply says, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its furthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant, I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Uh, so there's this picture here now that God wants to share through his messenger, Isaiah, uh, that gives the people these words of hope, uh, particularly the verse 10 that we're going to focus on, which is God saying, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And within, there, there, within that verse alone, there were five promises of assurance that we're going to look at this morning uh, from God. Because in this verse, it's one of the greatest verses in all scripture that speak of the assurance we have in God. Everybody is afraid of something. There might be trivial things that you're afraid of, very trivial to others, but for you, you have a genuine fear of something. I'm sure people have a fear maybe of spiders or, or something else, or the fear of, of some fears are irrational, uh, some fears are perfectly sensible and expected. You know, we, we have a, a fear of the future, 
because we, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we, we have a fear uh, of what may happen. We have a fear of circumstances and situations. We have a fear of bad news. Uh, we have a fear of the unexpected happening, just uh, those things that we don't expect to happen that do happen. So there, there are lots of sort of fears that people have. Somebody once said there are, there are 365 verses in the Bible that, that really talk about not fearing. I don't know if somebody counted them or worked their way through them, but somebody said it was one for every uh, day of the year. So fear is a, an important subject all the way through Scripture. Uh, these people here have a reason to be fearful. Uh, they're on a journey. They're not quite sure what's going to happen. They're not quite sure that God is with them. They have to travel a long way. They're going to face enemies. They're going to face unexpected circumstances. And God really gives them this verse of assurance in verse 10 when he simply says, do not fear God is with you. Do not fear God is your God. Do not fear God will strengthen you. Do not fear God will help you. And do not fear God will uphold you. And it's really giving the people the assurance that they need before they undertake the task or the journey ahead of them. Because God is not only giving them words of comfort, he is now moving to give them words of hope and words of assurance like this. And often, and I'm sure for us this morning, there will be people in here this morning in church and what you require this morning what you want God to do this morning is simply to give you some words of assurance just to simply say look do not fear and any one of those five things could relate to you because of the circumstances or the situations that you are facing at the moment and so assurance simply means a positive declaration intended to give confidence and a promise or pledge that removes all doubt when God assures us of something, it's absolutely true. He says, when God makes a promise or a pledge to you and me, uh, particularly through his written word, I said, it's something that we can hold on to and live out and trust. It is a positive declaration intended to give that confidence that God does not say, yeah, I might be with you, or God doesn't say, I might strengthen you, I might uphold you. We see that, that he gives an absolute uh, positive declaration. And in chapter 41, it's a little bit like a, a courtroom trial here. If you read the whole chapter, um, it, it, the, the idea is the people had come and they'd complained against God. They'd simply said, well, God, you talked about caring for us and comforting us. What about all this time that we've had in exile and captivity? And so God simply responds to them by reminding them of, of a few things and one of the key words not only in this chapter but in the next 15 chapters is servant uh, and so they're called the servants of God and uh, God reminds them of their special status as descendants of Abraham that God had chosen them God had, had picked them that God hadn't in a sense let them go but they had made disastrous choices we have to remember that you know when, when people make choices they have to accept the consequences of those choices and and no more do we see this clearly here in the people who were warned time after time that if you go and live another way, if you go and live for another God, if you worship idols, if you do your own thing, you have to accept the consequences of those choices that you make, as we would today, that we have to accept the consequences of the choices that, that we make. But God pulls them back in a sense and reminds them of their special status, that they are a servant. 
and that's word servant in, in the Old Testament can literally be tied in with the word slave, to be honest with you. Simply a person without position or rights, but this servant belongs to a great master. Uh, and so it says that Jacob, who I have chosen, means that they must not fear destruction because God has chosen them as the channel to carry out the promise of mankind's redemption through the Messiah. The 700 years down the line, we know God's Son, Jesus the Messiah, is coming. So there, there is not going to be any absolute total destruction here. They're still God's people, but they still had to answer for the decisions that they'd made. But at this point, they come here before they go on this journey, and God gives them this assurance this assurance before they do this of these five promises. You know, God always seeks to calm people's fears by assuring them of his presence, his plan, and his power. What I love about God is, is this, and we talked about the transcendence of God, that God is, is everywhere from the furthest point of the universe, but God is also imminent. He's up close and personal. He doesn't stand at the back and, uh, or, or miles away from you shouting instructions about the way you should all live your life. He says, God doesn't do that. He's up close and personal to remind people not only uh, that his assurance is, is there and it's secure, but, but it's also personal as well. It's also so close to you that, that he's not standing on the sidelines in a sense, watching you do your life, shouting instructions as a football manager would tell people to go over that way or shoot from that point or do this from this point. God doesn't do that. He, he's there. He, he's involved. He's imminent. He's up close and personal as he is here with these people as he shares uh, the, the, what he wants to do. And this message of do not fear is a repeated phrase in this chapter. So we know it's an important message for the, the people. But we have to understand that, that God is not telling them this because it's a suggestion or it's a choice that people make. That God is doing it because it's actually a command, a promise. Uh, and this truth of if God commands us to do something, there are always good reasons to do it. The society and the culture we live in today, uh, people would pick what the Bible says is almost optional. Well, if we feel like doing it, it'll be good. If it fits in with our lifestyle, the choices we want to make them, well, well that's a good enough reason to do it. But actually, uh, most of the Bible is commands of God telling us how we are expected to live our lives, how we're expected to treat other people, what we're supposed to do with different aspects of our life, like our money, like our time, like our children, like our family, like our work, like the stuff that, that we do, that actually we're, we're commanded to do that, but we don't like to say that in this day and age because we live in this world everybody has a choice if you want to do it do it don't want to do it that's fine everybody has a choice to do something yeah it's the same issue that they face here isn't it, it it's simply this that, that God commands us often to do something because he knows what's best for us he says because the reality is and I'm an expert at this and you will be an expert at it as well we often make a mess of the things that we don't listen to God about. He says, that's the reality of it. He says, I hold my hand up, both hands up, so I lead the way in making a mistake and messing up the things that actually I should listen to God about when he tells me, he commands me to do something. I've discovered it's far easier to do the things that he tells you to do the first time round. 
And actually, in your life then, it says it does make your life a lot more secure, a lot more assured, a lot more uh, of you're doing what God expects you to do because you're not treating what he says like an option, a suggestion, or a choice, but actually as a command and a promise. See, this is true in Scripture when we see this often. We live in fear, but by faith. And the Bible talks about fear. We live in fear. You know, we're fearful of those things that I'd mentioned at the beginning. But actually, we live by faith. All the way through Scripture, it talks of the, the by faith that, that we have and, and stuff. And so it's an absolute belief that in Scripture, that God is constantly working behind the scenes in every area of our lives, even when there's no tangible evidence to support that. That actually, people will say to you, how do you know God's working? People say, we can't see him working. But, but actually, you can. There's no tangible evidence sometimes, but we know that God is working. When we get up in the morning, the first thing, that, you know, we don't go to God, are you still there, God? Are you, are you still in charge, God? Are you still maintaining, sustaining, and controlling? We know he's there. He said, so therefore, we take that unbelief that we have with certain things, and we have to move it over to the fear that the society we live in at the moment is living in fear. We're living in fear. We are living in fear. We're living in fear. It says, you know, wear a mask, sanitize your hands, keep your social distancing. We've got to do all of these things. A lot of it is fearful. A lot of it is wise as well. And it's, it's, it, we have to be wise. But a lot of it is gripping us with fear because we're like, we, we don't know what's going to happen. We're too close to somebody or somebody breathes on us. Or, or, or you know, if somebody, somebody coughs, I coughed in, I was waiting for a prescription, I coughed in the chemist, and everybody just turned around. It was like, you know, I, I was like, you know, you'd, you would have thought I'd have just held up the shop, you know, looking, <laughs> I was about to rob it. I can't, why? Because people live in fear at the moment. We're living in fear. And, and though that fear is there and it's tangible because the evidence is there that it does, you know, of all the things that are happening, it says there us, us as believers is that we have to live by faith because there will always be things we live in fear of. That we'll never escape in this life of things that we will be fearful of. It's as simple as that. If we're looking for a time when we'll break through and there's never anything to be fearful of, it won't happen in this life. So therefore, we then have to make choices and say, well, do we live in fear or do we live by faith? It's the same choices presented to these 15,000 that were heading back on this journey. Do they live in fear or do they live by faith? And you see, assurance is something that is cultivated and grown deeper and stronger over time. It's not a popular thought that the way that God uh, grows this gift of assurance within us is to go through difficult hardships and trials and trouble. Nobody volunteers for the ministry of hardship, the ministry of trouble. But unfortunately, it's the way that God does work out some of the stuff in our life that develops that assurance and trust upon him, knowing that he's always there for us, knowing that he's upholding us and strengthening us and helping us. It's a way that faith is proven, refined and strengthened by us going through the difficult circumstances that we have to face through for this reason that our assurance comes from a growing confidence in God's promises, in what, he said, in what he said is true and can be trusted. That when God speaks and when God says, 
We know it can be trusted. We know it's truth. We know we can rest assured on those promises that he has declared. It's wonderful that Isaiah writes those words in verse 10. Do not fear, God is with you. Do not fear, I am your God. And they are as relevant today as they were when they were written. They haven't aged with time. Those words have not become irrelevant in the passing of the years. That verse is still as relevant for you and for me today. And it causes a growing confidence in God's promises and what he said is true and can be trusted. It tells us this. It tells us not to be dismayed. It's interesting that the original word for that is this. And it's often what we do, isn't it? Dismayed simply means to glance that way or glance that way, to look for your answer somewhere else that you're being a loss to know what to do for the best. So you look and think maybe the answer's there, or maybe the answer's there, or maybe the answer's there. And, and, and God simply encourages and, and tells Isaiah to either tell him not to be dismayed, tell him not to look there for the answers, or look there for the answers, or look there for the answers. Simply tell him to look to me for the answers. What, what's our, what, what do we do today? Well, we often have a plan B, but plan A is God coming through for us. But for us, me included, what we do, we, 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 we hold on to plan A and say, God will come through us. He'll not leave me. He'll not abandon me. But I'll just have a plan B just in case. Just in case God doesn't quite come through for me, I've got that safety net to fall back on. He says, when I was, uh, when I was younger and a lot fitter and a lot thinner, I used to teach rock climbing and abseiling. And in abseil, everybody knows what rock climbing is. It's where you climb up a rock, uh, you're attached to safety rope and, and that. But when you get to the top, you have to abseil back down. Now, the problem is when you abseil back down, what you have to do is you have to lean back until the rope goes tight. You have to trust the instructor, the abseil instructor. You have to trust the person at the top who's got the rope. That would usually be me. Now, you would trust me, wouldn't you? If you were 60 foot up a rock, knowing that you could fall off, if I didn't hold tight to that rope, you would trust me, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you, Sam? No, okay, here we go. You would lean back, and you would tell, and what would you do? You would tell people, and it was usually kids, uh, because there's schools and all that come, and you'd tell them, what you need to do, you've climbed the rock, you're halfway there and you've climbed up, but what you have to do now, you can't go back down the rock the same way that you climbed up. So you have to straighten your legs and you have to lean back and trust the instructor who's holding the safety rope. Now, most of the kids would do this. They would bend and shake their knees like this as they held on to the rope and says, and they would be falling forward, backwards like this. And we're like, no, what you need to do is straighten the legs. Lean back, trust the instructor. And when they did that and leant back, actually they could feel me taking the weight of them as they bounced down the rock and enjoyed it. And I thought, how often are we like that in our Christian lives when God comes to, into our situation and he tells us, he says, you've got to trust me. He says, what you need to do, you need to lean back and rest on the promises that I have made you. But how many times do we stand there and the knees are knocking because we simply want to hold on to what we think is right and we can do it and we're confident in ourselves. 
And God simply says, now lean back. I've got you. And we lean back and when we rest on the promises of God, we then can carry on walking. And that's what it simply means, just that trust there. Not to be dismayed, not to think that there's another way of doing this. Or if this way doesn't work out, I've always got plan B. God says simply, trust me. And we come to this towards the end now. And you see, God's assurance to them was more important than the mounting tide of hostility that they will face. Because not only in these verses does God give them their assurance, he also tells them what they're going to face. Because often at times we love the verses in the Bible when God says, don't fear, I'll strengthen you, uphold you and help you and do all of that. But then God tells them, this is what you're going to face. And later on in the verses, he says, he says, those who rage against you, those people who are angry with you, he's with us. He's upholding us and strengthening us and helping us. Those who oppose you, those who are complaining about you, those who've got something to say about you. You know, God is giving a list of the things that they will face. Those who are your enemies, uh, those who oppose you, sorry, those who oppose you in opposition, that those who just dislike you and they dislike what you stand for and what you believe in. And then he says, those who wage war against you, those who actually attack you. And God gives them a list of these four things in the verses and says, though I'll be with you, though I'm your God, though I will strengthen you, though I will uh, help you and uphold you, we hold on to the assurance of those promises because these are the circumstances that they face. And so God always does what he does for a reason. When he tells us not to fear, when he tells us that he's going to be there for us and uphold us, it's for this reason. Because of all those circumstances that were coming against them. Because it's nothing at all, because the assurance, to, the assurance of God to them is this, that he will take an active hand in their defence. If God is for us, who or what can be against us? He finishes these verses and he says, I am your God who takes hold of your right hand and says, do not fear, I will help you. It's that wonderful personal thought again. Can't do this because of social distancing, but God stretches his hand out and he takes your right hand as a father would a child to guide, to lead, to show them which way to go, to protect them, to defend them. That's the verse. That's what God is saying he's going to do to his children after he's made the assurance of verse 10 against all the circumstances that they face here. He finishes, I will take your right hand. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Is there anything more powerful in, in, in our assurance, in needing assurance and knowing that God takes our hand and leads us and guides us and protects us and shows us and encourages us and does all the things that he needed. That's the assurance of God this morning. See, God's strength and power simply enable him to help us. But it's his love for us that makes him say, I will help you. And I thought, what a powerful, tremendous thought there. He says, actually, that we know God is powerful enough to help us, to strengthen us. But it's actually his love for you and me that simply says, I will help you. These people were his people. He was their God. 
He was stretching out his hand to say, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He's assuring them of, of not being fearful. He's assuring them of that he is their God, that he will strengthen them and help them and uphold them. And he comes to this point that simply says, for this reason, not because he's able to do it, but because he chooses to do it, because he loves us. He loves you and me. And everything that we face and go through, that assurance comes through because he loves you and me. With this, I finish. He simply declares this. I am your God over you. I am with you by your side. I will strengthen you on the inside. I will help you all around you from wherever the enemy comes. And I will uphold you from underneath you. Over you, by you, inside you, around you, and underneath you. That's the assurance of God this morning. It says, for you and for me, in everything that we face, because we know like them what they're going to face, that we're going to face. But the promise of God, to finish with you, is he's over us, by our side, strengthening us on the inside, all around us, protecting us and defending us, upholding us from underneath that's the assurance of God this morning. Let's just pray just as we come to sing our final song. Father, we come before you this morning. Father, your wonderful assurance declares to us this morning that God, we don't need to fear because God, you are with us. You are by our side. You are our God. You strengthen us. You defend us. You uphold us with your righteous right hand. And Father, like the illustration of trusting in your promises, of you being in charge and holding tight as we lean back, as we trust your word. God, I pray for each and every person gathered in this place this morning. God, you know, Father, the, the challenges, the circumstances and the situations that they are facing. And God, we just pray your assurance into their lives this morning that they need not fear because God, you are with them every step of the way. That God, you are helping them and strengthening them and upholding them, Father God. And we can hold on to that promise this morning as the same as the day that Isaiah wrote it for the first time because it was a message, Lord, that you wanted your people to know. And God, we hold on to that this morning, that you are above us and within us and by our side and underneath us, leading us and guiding us and directing us. And God, we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.